This is the Love Swimming Podcast, powered by Love Admin's easy-to-use software that reduces your organization's admin and increases its income. Find out more at www.loveadmin.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the Love Swimming Podcast. It's me, Clive Marcus again. This week I have Ron Philpott with me. He's the Technical Director of Crawley Swim Club and Tutor and Mentor for the IOS, that's the Institute of Swimming. Um, so hello, welcome to the podcast, Ron. Hi. Yeah, and so this week we're going to talk a little bit about um, swim coaching, uh, or more actually, what is a swim coach? And um, bits that, because Ron here, he's coaching the next, or mentoring the next generation of swim coaches, bits that, and also Ron has multiple years of experience in uh <laughs> in teaching or coaching high level performance as well as club level swimming and bits that so we're going to start it off nice and easy back with the basics as always um tell us about you tell us about swim coaching and tell us about what you're doing with the ios this that. hi clive yeah thanks very much um yeah i mean my my pathway through coaching is, is like most people it started when i was a former swimmer uh, and that was at home church swimming club and uh sort of once I sort of got to a point where um, we sort of, I, well, I finished swimming in respect because I didn't feel I was giving myself justice. I started playing water polo to a high level. Um, and had, after that, I had a real long break. And in about 1980, I was sitting on the balcony watching my children swim at the church. So I took them back because that was my club. And uh, I, was sort, I remember saying to the person next to me, there's no way you're ever going to get me coaching on that poolside which is particularly Murray Walker's sort of comment that, that you go through. However, I was not happy with what I was seeing being taught. So like every parent at that particular time, which I moan about now, uh, I went down and, and moaned. <laughs> so, and because they sort of obviously knew me and my background of swimming, etc., they said, well, if you can do better, come and help. So I did. Um, so from my point of view, you can see, thing, see the thing is, is we don't actually pick swimming as a sport. It all picks us. Uh, so we sort of owe it to, to have a reason to do it. And I think that really sort of gives you that sort of plus of actually what pathway you're going to follow with it. And that, that, that's when that 40 years plus years of coaching started. It sort of, after helping at Hornchurch, I sort of started in, in 1983 as an assistant coach at Romford Town, uh, which led to me being head coach. And that's really where it all started. Um, we had lots of success, both county, regional and national level, uh, sort of emulating to a guy called Daniel Coombs, who won European Junior Championship in 1996 in the Fly. And that was my real first taste of major success, because there wasn't many people from Britain at that time won European Juniors. And there was a lot of, you know, and we, because of, at that point, Dan was full franked in the world at that, that age group. Um, which also, that particular year was good for me because in, also in 1996, I was voted BSCTA Junior Coach of the Year. Um, mainly because of what Daniel was, did and what I did with Rob for Town and bringing him through the rankings nationally and what we did, you know, during that nationals. Um, in 1996, I was sort of headhunted to move to Leatherhead, which was a massive decision for me because it was a 100-mile round trip every night to get there. And it was when the M25 was being built. So obviously the traffic weren't quite as bad then it was now. But I travelled there every night for four years um, doing a 100-mile round trip just to, to improve my coaching. Um, but it was certainly worth it. It was my major successes both internationally um, and many from we had internationals from many countries accumulating with Matthew Kidd going to the Sydney Olympics uh, and being he ended up being the first male swimmer under 50 seconds for 103 long course so for me and him at that particular time it's sort of a part of history that no one thought could take away from us yeah, um, yeah. we got to that point where a lot of my major senior swimmers started obviously going to university and I had a lot of swimmers say from different countries New Zealand Sweden Ireland and you know all, all around the world South Africa um, I was coaching quite a good team and for a small club in the middle of Surrey to take a full senior team to nationals as a, a relay squad and win was a major achievement we, at that point we had four internationals in the relay team 
So, you know, and it was all out of a 25-metre pool, which really then changed my beliefs in we know too much about facilities and equipment, etc., and we can just get on it. If we've got water in the pool, then we can do it. And it just whether you believe you can do it or you're going to look for excuses. Um, 1996, from that time, I was head coach on both the British and English teams, uh, sort of travelling around the world at World Cups, um, major championships. But the biggest change for me where it was in 1999 when um, I took a small team of British swimmers, um, basically three British swimmers, over to America to train with the American team with a guy called John T. Skinner. Yeah. And after being with him at the Olympic Training Centre in San Diego for a, num for a number of weeks, I came back and really started to rethink my philosophy of what I was doing and could I get better or could I change things. And although I didn't feel as I needed to change much, I could tweak it. And that's what I tended to do. And obviously that within in 2001, that's when Matt broke the 50-second barrier for the 103. And that was like a, what we classed as a five-year target. You know, we, we planned it five years before that, but that's what we wanted to do it as. And he was going to go off to America in 2001, September. And he broke it to World World, Champ, World uh, University Games in the first leg of the relay and then went on to do it again in the heats of the 103. So it was no coincidence that he just did it before he went to America. So that was good for me because then otherwise yeah, they would have got the credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> so it sort of made a big difference, yeah. Um, but coaching with John T over that period of time, doing a lot of different stuff, it certainly made me think and change the way I was going to do things. But then sort of 2009 came a real major decision. I've been at Leatherhead for 13 and a half years. And I just felt that I'd given everything I could to them. And it was a question of like, could I improve myself? Which I wanted to. Not because I was bored with it or anything like that. I just wanted to challenge myself. And I was offered um, setting up a regional training program or a national one, which was in conjunction with GOL, uh, which British Swimming funded, to set up a program at Crystal Palace before the 2012 Olympics. Um, that was brilliant because it was long course, once again, it was long course all the time. And I had to make use of the diving pit to get some sort of speed work in because... You know, otherwise you tend to, it's surprising when you start, and this is a whole new discussion about the difference between 50 and 25 metre poles and how you coach, because it is different. Um, and that point, I was only coaching at 50 metre pole. So, all in all, that accumulated with Susie Rogers winning three bronze medals at the Paralympics. So, that sort of ended my CV to a certain degree. You know, although I'd had um, disabled swimmers of South Africa who won gold medal uh, in 50 breaststroke, um, I didn't feel he was mine as such, you know. But with Susie, I'd, I'd coached her for that four years. Now, although we, we shared that with his, her club, um, it, it certainly meant for me it was a sort of a massive um, end to my sort of CV as such that I, I think I probably could have I've gone as far as I can at that particular moment. Because as you can see through the dates, that I didn't start until quite late in my coaching career. Um, with that, obviously, Crawley Swimming Club, uh, position came up, which is sort of six miles down the road to where I live. And apart from with Crystal Palace, I was sort of leaving at half past four in the morning and getting back at nine o'clock at night. And coupled with going to Leatherhead under a mile round trip for the years <laughs> before that, it certainly still started to weigh on me a little bit, to be quite truthful. So I took the Crawley Swimming Club job and we had quite a few major successes along and it was a big major pathway. Um, about 2018, I started to think that I felt my energy levels were dropping um, and I needed to make some sort of an exit route ready for my retirement because obviously I was getting to a stage where I felt that it's the younger coaches' positions now and the new ideas needed to come in. Although I was always keeping abreast of what I could do, I felt that my 80% was probably everybody saw it as 100%, but it wasn't 100% for me. So I didn't yeah. feel as I could give that 100% or I felt I was giving that 100% because of that uh, energy levels. Um, but as I say, to everybody looking on, they probably didn't see any difference. Um, so I took a major change in pathway by taking my qualifications to be a tutor and mentor. Um, and then in 2019, I retired uh, from coaching 
and started tutoring and mentoring with the iOS uh, up to senior coach levels. Um, and now I feel as I'm giving something back. So all that experience over that 40 plus years of coaching and being a swimmer and some of the stories I can sort of relate to, as you well know yourself, um, <laughs> and boring people to death with everything that I may have done or not done. Um, it's For me, it's giving something back, which is something I really enjoy doing. Um, and I'll do that until I feel that I've once again lost the energy to do it. Um, but we'll see how that, that sort of develops over the uh, next few years. But at the moment, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm doing a lot of courses, level one, level two, senior coach, and doing other things, other projects which I've got on the boil, which hopefully will come off, uh, which will try and make a difference with the education side of it. Um, and we'll look forward to taking that forward myself. So that's a sort of a quick summary of, as I say, it was quick, I think. that no, wasn't really, was it? Um, it was a sort of quick quick summary of my pathway in life and changes of what I do, uh, which sort of comes in a conjunction with how a sport swimming coach does along the way. And I think the biggest the biggest point I said to you before as with swimming, it, you don't pick it as a sport. You It picks you. Yeah. And, and that, to me, is is because we don't do it for the money. We don't do it for any other reason because we enjoy it. So it sort of picks you and says, come here, whether it's a parent because they don't want to sit on the pool, on the balcony watching their swimmers, so they get involved in coaching or teaching. And as us swimmers, that we would be lost without doing something within the sport. So we'd find something else. So it's all part and parcel of how we develop as a, as a coach. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Eddie Reese summed up really well, didn't he, when with the recent Texas thing, he was saying that... Um, no one chooses women like no, who, they don't. Who, want, no. who would want to turn up for 20 hours a week and stare at the yeah. bit of But absolutely, who wants to get up at four o'clock in the morning and travel to Crystal Palace? You know, it's sort of <laughs> they're the sort of things that you, you do. Uh, who wants to run around doing 100 mile round trip to do coaching? You wouldn't see that nowadays. You know, people wouldn't do it. Um, but you do. I remember sitting in my, my living room when I was offered Leatherhead job. Um, I was sitting in my living room and I was sat on the floor looking out in the garden and I thought to myself, what am I doing? What, why am I doing this? Yeah. yeah, why am I doing this? And it was because I wanted to improve. It's as simple as that. Mm. Yeah, because I had targets, I had goals, personal goals and targets. Although it's all about the athlete, but you still have to have a, a sort of target and a goal or philosophy of what you want to do in life as yeah. well. And that's what really chose me to do it. And I took a massive drop in salary uh, to do it as well and spent a lot more money on petrol. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think oh, you saying there, saying you have your own personal goals is important as well, because as much as athletes is where we're all at and want them to improve, if you don't want yourself to improve, they're not going to improve either. No, no, they're not. And they've got to know that you, you're there for them. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that, that we, we move into. And um, one of the things you, 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 you've spoke about in the past is that what's, what, what is a swimming coach, really? You know, what is that coach and what are the fundamental sides of that swim coach and what do we need to possess? So, you know, and we don't have that all at once. You know, we, we, we build on it, you know, over the years. Um, we, we, we learn through experiences, etc. I noticed that, you know, there's a few things, really, that, that I feel that the swimming coach sort of needs as such in, in sort of in what they should be. And we sort of start off being a teacher, you know. Um, we're imparting new knowledge and skills to everybody, you know, and that's the first thing. So for me, like, although I, I felt that I was a teacher in coaching and I'm now a teacher in qualifications, you know, so it hasn't changed in that respect. And uh, one of the things that really came home to me a little bit more was the, a couple of years ago, and I, I, I was runner-up to the mentor of the year or tutor of the year. And for me, for a coach to do that amongst the teachings fraternity was a massive thing. You know, I felt I'd gone round in a massive circle, you know, um, yeah. and now all of a sudden I'm, I'm doing something different, but on land, and now I'm doing it on new technology, which I'm too old for. You know, <laughs> so I can't work me way around the computer. But we're getting there as well now. I'm learning. I'm learning new new things as I go along all the time. And then the next thing really was being a trainer. You know, sort of improving fitness and being the mechanic of that that engine which we call a swimmer or an athlete. 
you know, um, or in in the car automobile industry, being the mechanic of the car, you know, and and being a motivator really is is very important. So that we generate a positive and decisive approach to things, you know, so that we're sort of giving them the motivation of actually doing things, even when perhaps they're not doing as well as they, they think they're going to be doing. We need to remain positive because if we're not positive, then we don't stand a hope in hell to get the swimmers to remain positive. Yeah, no. 100%. So those, you know, those, those sort of things. And you know, when we look at that, and there's been a lot of stuff on social media, et cetera, in relation to sort of the iceberg approach sort of thing, people only see what's on top of that iceberg. They don't see what's underneath your feelings and your emotions and what's going on in your life they only see the top part and that becomes with the swimmers so being that motivator than that top part of the iceberg is so important that to make the swimmers aware that yeah you're there to care you're there to get them to be the best they can be but in the yeah. same context we've got to be a disciplinarian yeah we've got to have some form of dis- discipline and making sure that we've got a system of rewards and punishments etc so that people stay in line but, and you've got to build relationships with that as well, you know. But they got swimmers. I've found over the years with swimmers with that part of it, if they know where that line is drawn, they don't cross that line, yeah. you know, because you've got to be firm and hard with it. But be polite, and especially nowadays as well, it's not quite the same as it was perhaps in the day when I was swimming. You know, I mean, my old coach used to shut the door at six o'clock, and if you weren't in that door, you didn't go in. You know, can you imagine doing that now? You just would not get away with that. No, yeah. So yeah, those sort of things really are important that you you have a system and everybody knows about the system and then making sure the swimmers buy into that system. And then you've got that communication level going. Yeah, I agree. It's all about that respect, isn't it? Absolutely. Massive, massive part of coaching. Massive part of coaching. Forget the training side. It's about respect and about the relationships that you have with your swimmers. Yeah, exactly. You know, that that, that to me is, yeah, that's yeah. that's a massive thing, and, and I think the part and parcel of that is that with you as a coach need to get the swimmers to buy into the process. You know, yeah. and, and it, you, it should be in some ways athlete led, and sort of you 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 guiding them. You know, and that's why I always treat my think myself as a bit of a guide rather than a coach, as such. Yeah. Um, and, and you're just trying to get the swimmers to be the best they can be because not everybody's going to be Olympic champions. Not everybody's going to have a swimmer on, a, on, the, on the Olympic team. So, yeah, we all have our, our purpose in what we do. And we're lucky if, if we, we achieve that success with our swimmers. And sometimes it's lucky if someone walks through your door that's got that talent. Yeah. And you can guide them through that. But it, it needs to be a team effort. It needs to be a team effort. So one of the one of those things I say disciplinarian is part and parcel of it, but also a good organizer. You know, you need to be a good organizer so that you understand what you're going to be doing on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you've heard me speak about that sort of thing before. Um, and it's one of the most important things. I mean, I'm an anal organizer. You know, I, I need to know what I'm going to be doing. If I don't, then I can't cope. Yeah. You know, and that's built up over the years. You know, I mean, I'd have colour charts everywhere. I'd have different spreadsheets and everybody else would look at them and say, what the hell are you doing? You know, spend time on it. You know, my summer holidays, sitting on the beach, doing an annual plan to build it up, which a lot of coaches do, which people don't see, Yeah, you know, sure. and that's that way. But you've also got to market the market your club as well. You know, you've got to send that, be a publicity agent as such, really, and sort of market them because that's what your club's all about. And no one's bigger than the club in that respect. No, you know, so, you know, you, you, you're, you're trying to get all sorts of ability swimmers to come into the club and, and go through. Because at the end of the day, it's like a 10-year process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about, when you but, say 10-year, we're talking about bringing the kids up from the bottom all the way up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because that, as I say, that's that's the part and parcel of, of what we do, and then we've got to make them ready for when they go off to national performance. Especially if you're in a uh, what I class as a, a, a community club, like say club like Crawley or someone like in Portsmouth to a certain degree, although you've got the university there, but you've got the situation where you're getting them ready to move on to university systems, or you're getting them to go to you know, national performance centres. 
So you're, you're trying to um, build that lifestyle into them as well. So when they yeah. leave their parents, they know a little bit about nutrition. They've got that. They know that they're, they're not going to have the mum or dad feeding them with the night, etc. They've got to get up early in the morning themselves. And it's like those swimmers who go to America because it either makes or breaks them because yeah. of that. Because there's a, there's a massive social enterprise out there that if you're not and you're on your own and you're not very very focused on what you're doing, it can go all flat. And we've yeah. seen a lot of that with swimmers coming back from that. If it works, it works really well. If it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, and, it's, no, it's and, one way or the other. And, and as a coach, you've got to know that. You know, you've got to help make them decisions through that with family meetings, etc. So you're sort of like a politician as well, really, in actually trying to sort of bend and, and try and advise and have the knowledge to be able to do that. And you only pick up that knowledge over the years. Yeah, yeah, try yeah. And, you know, when you sort of, it's just knowing what your swimmers need. Yeah. You know, knowing what your swimmers need from you, you know, in, in every aspect. And we, we talk about different sort of uh, being curious and making sure that we're, we're understanding what we're doing and why we're doing it and making sure the swimmers understand what they're doing. Because, you know, we can all say that I'm going to swim 400 metres, but it's a much better communication if, if you tell them to, why they're doing it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that because I know if someone goes and writes us out on the board, I'm always asking why we're doing it, what's it going towards. Yeah. Like, luckily now, now I'm getting a bit more understanding. I know, I know why we're doing it. I know what it's hitting. But it's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, why are we doing this? Because sometimes they'll write something up there and you're like, well, that's not going to help me at all. Like that's, yeah. that's swimming up and down. Yeah, and the thing is, it's making yeah. it interesting as well. You know, so it's having the what I call IKEA coaching. You know, yeah. you, you make it work for you, dependent on what you've got. Um, so you've got all the all the bits for it, but you've got to make it into something, you know, without any instructions, really. And, yeah, yeah. you know, sort of, and you might have a few bits missing along the way. So that's why I sort of, I've always said it's like IKEA coaching, you know, or in the old days, it was MFI coaching, you know. <laughs> it was sort of anything you build flat pack, it's sort of, there's always something missing, isn't there? And there's the instructions are in German or something, you can't make it out of them. So it's sort of a question of sort of making sure that you're building that program up into something that works for you. Yeah, not yeah. necessarily for Joe Blogs down the road. It might not work for them, but it's working for you. And then we'll, we'll, we'll perhaps get onto that when I start talking about the education side of it. Because... You know, it's, it's, and there's also that part of sort of understanding their mind and their body, making sure the swimmers understand that as well. You know, yeah, we're yeah. not going to be experts in the mind and we're not going to be experts in the psychology side of it, but we can help by yeah. having an amount of knowledge that gives us the, the way where we can advise things to go a certain way. Um, and, you know, we, we talk, we, we've spoken before about the scientist bit, whether you are a scientist or you're an artist, etc. Um, with a scientist, they say we can go into that a little bit more later because that's sort of a, quite a controversial subject in some ways. So I'd, sort of, I'd rather leave that, that little bit till later because uh, that might last a f- few more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go but on that's think, a, mate. We'll, yeah, we'll go talk on. about the physio, like your psychology of, swimming so we're talking a little bit about psychology here um but your no sorry your philosophy that's more like philosophy, it. philosophy yeah. of swimming. um so we're talking about here and it's important to um stay true to your philosophy and how it goes and also realizing that philosophies may change you said it changes when you went out to america you learned some new things yeah. like and it's um sort of like i think sometimes we can look at the coaches nowadays and they're seeing as i was chatting last week with kev brooks seeing what ben proud does and they're like oh we need to do that it's like, well, you need sometimes not all good, not all new is good, and not all um, not all old is bad. If you know what I mean, it's kind of like you've got to find what's, as you said, what's working for you, what's going to benefit the swimmers, bits like that. So, to, you you've, you yourself said you had a phys- yeah. yeah, I think the um, the thing with philosophy is very individual, and yeah. the only way I can sort of describe it really, in a way, it's like the air in a carburetor of a car. You may not see it, but if it's not there, it won't run. Yeah. You know? And it's the same with philosophies, uh, where some coaches don't recognise they've actually got a philosophy. You know? But it's there. It's got to be there to be a good coach. So if you look at what philosophy is to start with, and if you look at, say, well, 
over the years is a bundle of thoughts tied up with string and paper. You know, it's of what you think about the world around you. You know, but the yeah. thing is with it, you can't make it too tight where you, you lose the, f- the flow of your thoughts. So it's sort of dependent on a load of things. And one of the, one of the things is what your past opinions of the future were, you know? Um, mm. It's knowing what you've done and do you, could you change it with your philosophy? And that's when you start thinking about whether your philosophy is the, the right way. And, and you, you'll never know that until you start changing it. Yeah, because yeah. then you start learning having that experiences. So it's views of the past and what you see of the future. You know, what we're going to be seeing. No one, like with COVID, no one would have seen this coming, you know, although yeah, yeah. we may have seen something. But we know about the past, what's happened. Now, we can spend a load of time on the past and worry about mistakes that have been made, or we can improve them, yeah. which is, to me, is the best way. So it depends on some of the stuff, we've, on the books that we've read, and it may be the people we meet. And that comes with um, sort of mentors, and uh, role models that we, we've had over the years. I've got three role models, really. One was John Verrier, who was my assistant, who was my coach when I swam. One was John T. Skinner, because he did make a big change in my, my coaching. In, in not, he didn't realise that, but he did. Yeah. And um, Dave Haller, who used to coach at Cardiff, um, he was another one of my role models that I always looked up to as coaches. There's a load of other ones that are in, in that, but then if I had to pick three, they would be my my major three. So it depends very on different ones as well, actually. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they are very fast and short, and um, the Cardiff lads quite long and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and they they all taught me different things over the years, you know, and. Um, and it's sort of also based on ignorance and knowledge, yeah. you know, what you don't know and what you do know, you yeah, know, yeah. and trying to work out that balance. Um, no, no. And I think that, 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 that's where you have to have the open mind. You know, you've got to keep your mind open to um, expect, accept new things. And I think that's why I've survived, to be honest, in a certain way, because doing the tutoring side, um, keeps my mind occupied and keeps it washing over. And I'm looking for new things. I'm looking for, you know, different bits where I can in, include them into the way I, way I tutor and the way I, I mentor. So, you know, those things. And I, I like to think that I can get my trainee coaches to think the same way and keep an open mind. Because one of the, the worst people to, 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 to um, teach in, in coaching are ex-swimmers. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason no idea for what that, they want to do. yeah, because they, 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 their role model is their coach. Yeah. So they think that that is the right way, which it could be, but they've got to open their mind up to other alternatives to yeah. make that work. And that's sort of part of what they, their experiences. So really, in their way, their philosophy is what their coaches told them. Yes. That's I the starting see. point. That's yeah. the starting point. And then as you gain the experience, it changes. So it's like a big, basically, it's like a stopwatch, you know? You should have one, but you carry the stopwatch in your hand and the philosophy's in your head. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you've got that two things. And it's really based on everything you do. And, and no one's ever got the correct, there is no correct philosophy in life and there's no correct philosophy in swimming. It's what you believe in, you know? It's what you do it for. I mean, I've, yeah. I've written down my, my, my philosophy over the years and I've sort of settled with what I've got now um, and it, it sort of stems out. And, it's sort of a, and I look at it from when I was a coach. And so I've sort of, when I write it down, I've got, I was a swimming coach because of the swimmers and the passion I have for the sport. There's no, there's no better feeling than coaching a swimmer, the importance of discipline, hard work, team ethics, dedication, determination, and the heart it takes to win, not only in sport, but also in life. And yeah. I've added a little bit to that over the last couple of years. I'm now a tutor for the same reason. But I'm now coaching the trainee coaches with the same philosophy. Yeah. So, you know, that's sort of where I've settled. So I don't see that being changed now, you know, because, but it's taken 40 years to get to that bit. <laughs> you know, it's sort of, yeah, that's how it changes over the time period. 
And if you looked at my philosophies, and I never keep them, and the reason I don't keep them because I don't want it to influence what my thoughts are for the future. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So I destroy them. You know, yeah, and then it doesn't, I don't go back to them. And I think that that's really why we all need a philosophy generally. Not, I'd say not only in the sport, but also in life. Yeah, it just guides us a little bit. Yeah, and it guides us down a pathway that we may have to change. And sometimes we reach a crossroads, whether we turn left or right or go straight on. And yeah. as you can see, with my, my history of coaching, my pathway, I've had a lot of lefts, rights and going straight on. You know, so but you have to make that decision and live with that and change it if you need be. And sometimes you have to make sacrifices to do that as well. And yes. it's a preparation because, yeah, we do as swimming coaches generally, we have to make a lot of sacrifices. And I think that that's really the, the important part. No, I, I agree with that massively because it's, as you said, swimming, swimming coaches, it's, it's a very, um, I would say they're unsociable hours anyway, it's early mornings, late evenings, but also it's weekends. It's um, And you find that, I, I find this, that my training partners and my coaches, it's another family, isn't it? I spend more time with them than I actually do with my own family. So it's, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and that goes back to what coaches possess about being a social worker as well, you know, because you find out things that the family don't know, you know, yeah. and, 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 and that, that's where it becomes confidential, etc., and, but they, swimmers, certain swimmers anyway, treat you as that that sort of um, person they can go to if need be. And I've had quite a few of those over the years. And yeah. it's sort of, even now, I get old swimmers phoning me up or emailing me asking for advice, etc., which to me makes my job perfect. Yeah, no, yeah, because I know I've done a good job with them. Yeah, you're a life coach just as much as a swim coach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you are. You are, indeed. Right, well, I got another one because the the other question we had, which we're kind of going over as well here, is continued education. Um, because as I said, you've been around coaching for forty years, and I know I, I know it's quite um, often a case where a coach starts one thing, he learns one thing, he or she learns one thing, and that's it. If you know what I mean, and that's how they'll stay for the rest of their time. Whereas if we look at the great coaches, they're moving around. It's continued education. Because as I said, you've started in what nineteen eighty. And yeah. we've been straight away. That's what 20, 40, 40 odd years, and there's massive changes in that. USRPT uh, came around. The use of resistance training is so much more common nowadays than it was back then. And speed training is a lot more different now to then how it was there. And the meterage has dropped in some events and increased in others, and so many different things there. So it's kind of like it's important that we stay educated in how things are moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, first of all, it's, it's, and this really links up with, with your question on philosophy, really. It's yeah. sort of a, it's sort of a help, education really sort of helps take the wrappings off of it. It's sort of a, it's sort of, it's what we call a philosophy, really. It's a process of moving ignorance to thoughtfulness. It sort of makes you start thinking about what you're doing. And, and I think with, 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 with any education, um, it's basically, as a coach, it's your duty to stay up to date with the moving times, as you've just re referred to, and the ideas. And I said, that's why I think I have survived in that respect, because yeah. I do. And I still talk to young coaches like Kevin and, people, and Lee, the girlfriend, and my own son, and we talk things through. And even I might have my opinions, but I listen to what they're saying and what they're doing and how they're doing it. And it is completely different from when I started. So, you know, I've learned, and even though I'm, I'm, I'm educating young coaches now as such, I'm still learning as well, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it's important that you do uh, in relationship. I mean, I've just taken, just out of interest, I'm, I've just taken my level four IQA, internal quality assurer qualification at my mm -hmm. age. And that's, that I learned hell of a lot on that. So I'm learning how to tutor better. I'm learning how to mentor better. You know, and assessing better. So I'm not in any way think I'm the finished article, and I never will be. Yeah, but yeah. I'm going to go a long way towards it because that's what I made up my mind to do. So education is sort of the keystone of any training program because you've got to know what you're doing. Yeah. First of all, you know, and as a coach, we're always chasing the performance to be even better. You know. Um, it's making sure you're talking to other coaches, shadowing other coaches, and, and talking to them about important issues 
etc. And that's why it's good that we've had a lot over the something that's good that's come out of COVID is that of all the um, Zoom meetings and the podcasts and everything else like yourself. And it's getting these messages out there, which I think as a country we haven't done very well in the past. No, yeah, definitely. You know, and I think that's something that's been really, really positive. And I think you know, when we start getting negative about things like COVID and, and, and education, it, we've got to realise that actually there's a lot of positives that come out of it as well. And we can use that positiveness. This. Um, we've got to look to others anyway, sort of outside the sport, you know, yeah. what they're doing, how they're doing it. And we've seen a lot of that recently. One of the things that that's been, for me has been quite interesting in, is with all the, once again, into the COVID side of it, is the uh, lack of training for what we've done but everybody's come out and they're swimming really well yeah yeah no it's, it's... so what the, my question is what can we learn from that you know what you know so <laughs> yeah well maybe <laughs> we don't know do we it yeah. may be because i've been doing a lot more land work yeah yeah definitely. you know so their 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 overall athletic ability is better than it was before but it's well, certainly worth a study i think that to find out why Perhaps it isn't because it does seem to be all over. With the if you start looking at the level X meets and everything else, so looking from inside and outside the sport is why there's some. And it's not just swimming; other sports are doing really well as well, even though they've had that lockdown. And yeah. one of the things that, that I find with with education, people are afraid to admit what they don't know. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think that's silly. You know, and if you're going to explore your craft as such, which is a swimming coach. You've got to know things you don't know. You yeah, know? yeah. And education gives you that. It's not just about me sitting in front of you. It's, it's about going around and finding out from other people what they're doing. And I, I, I think I probably, you've probably heard me say this before. It's all coaches should have this imaginary toolbox, you know, where all your thoughts and all your knowledge go into it. You don't have to use it on the Monday morning that you get all that knowledge. You don't have to use it during the week. You might want to use it in a year's time or two years' time. But you have that imaginary toolbox where all the knowledge you get from everybody and all the knowledge you get from books and the internet all goes in this book box where you can bring it out as and when you want it. Very similar yeah. to a mechanic with a car. You know, If he's taking an engine to bits, he uses certain spanners for certain jobs. And that's what I call my imaginary coaching toolbox. You know, I've got a lot of spanners in there that I'm going to bring out to do certain things. Yeah. And I don't need to use them all the time. I may never use it, but it may be someone who's been on one of my courses turns around in five years' time and said, oh, I remember Ron Philpott saying that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I've, I've made a difference. So that education has made a difference. Um, and also trying to make the education exciting because it can get a lot boring. You know, it can get boring. Um, you know, certain subjects are boring. We know that, but we need to know them. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it's very important that we uh, think about that side of it more so than anything. So I'm I'm sort of, my my goal in, in the rest of my life now is, is to sort of try and get that message over to people and try and get educated. Not so much the, on the qualification side of it, although that's a major thing if you want to get on teams, etc. anyway now. But it's more important to me that you, if you're going to be a coach, you've got to know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to have some sort of idea. But the last thing on that that I'll say is that with education, it's like taking, if you're taking qualifications, it's like doing your driving test. Yeah. You know, you've passed it and then you go out and learn to drive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's what coaching is all about, really, or any sports coaching. Is you, Yes, qualifications are great. You need them because it gives you a certain standard of level of, level of education and ability. But after that, you need to make the effort of going out and learning how to coach. Yeah, and I, I agree. And then that goes back on to what we said about role models and philosophies, etc. So, so once again, we've gone around in that big circle of why we have a philosophy. No, because, I, I, yeah, I we're, we're there again. Yeah, and I, I think it's important also is like um, there's lots of nowadays to get information about what people are doing. There's lots of outlets to go and chat to. I just said podcast books, but on the internet, bits like, like Swim Swam is an amazing place. Some of their um, podcasts and Brett Hawk podcasts or the... Um, 
the swim swam what was it i think they call it the off the blocks bits or the um yeah yeah bits like that and but i i sometimes find that um something that i think you you've put on british swimming a bit like it's a little bit um i'll be honest a bit naff to be honest with um actually trying to it's education of um coaches beyond the qualifications if you know what i mean whereas if you look at the usa swimming bits like that, there's so much more yeah, absolutely. I think I think we've got a long way to go with that, and and uh, you know, one of, I've got a few projects in mind that that you know, we're looking at or trying to think about at the moment, that we, how we can change it to a certain degree. But it's like everything that we've got to be careful that it's not an add-on rather than a um, a, a relook or rethink. And yeah, I think yeah. that yeah, and I think that the problem is over the years is that we have not had too many coaches go into the tutoring and mentoring side of it. And I think that's where why it's got a little bit stale. Yeah. One of the things that, 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 that I'd like to, like to sort of just add to the, about, about the coaching in general is about knowing yourself as a coach, because I think that sort of stems under the education as well, because mm. you're educating yourself. And I've always said that the, my, my biggest thing is about looking in the mirror and asking yourself a few questions. And I, I, I sort of, I've got a number of questions that, that I would say, perhaps I'm looking in the mirror and I say, well, what are my strengths and weaknesses? What do I need to improve on? You know, how good, are, how good am I as a coach? So is it because, do I, do I decide that by how many medals I've won? Yeah. Or is it how many performers won? Or is it how, how many my team has won? You know, and make sure you're honest with that. You know, what's important to you? Is it your ego um, or is it the, the benefit of developing the swimmers around you? Mm. Yeah. Um, is it to have a winning performer or a team? You know, is that really what I want? Or is it for me to be the best coach in the world? Yeah, you yeah. can have both, you know, but obviously the athlete's got to come first. Yeah, making sure your, invo- involvement is, your, your involvement of your performances is there. You know, so they're buying into the program. And one of the last thing on that is ask yourself, are you a bossy coach? Are you? Do you make all the decisions? Well, is yeah. it coach led? That's the thing, yeah. mate. Because um, I know a couple of programs, I had Claudia on a couple of um, weeks ago talking about that and saying the difference between coach led programs and committee led programs, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. this, that, and we want to stick more in having coaches knowing what they're doing. Um, yeah. well, obviously they should be leading the programs and to that extent they should be leading the program whereas like people like committee should be managing the club yes. that's basically the situation and, then, and then that's the other one I've got the next one is the minder are you a minder you know, do you view decisions and operate as a minder of people with little organised attempts to influence or teach you know <laughs> you're, you're just sort of minding them basically you're, you're the, the babysitter you know well, and the last one really was, is being the guider, which is the one I, I, I was by recognising the need to, to provide leadership and positive guidance, you know, and sharing decisions, making sure it's athlete-led and coach-guided. Mm. And just rem- as a coach, they should be re- we should be remembering that as a professional, we should we, we make it should make it the difficult look easy. Yeah. Do you feel that um, you're saying their guidance and then coach-led? The older the athlete gets, the more athlete-led it is than the other way. So I'd say if younger, yes, kids, yes, more yes, yes. Then Look, my my like... my thought, yeah, my thoughts on that, Clive, is the fact that I I've got no problem of letting the younger athlete have a little bit of say in what in what they're doing because mm. we get them to buy into it. So later down the road, when they're going into that five year five year development stage or six year development, they know the they know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, they've got that knowledge already there, and we should be teaching it a lot earlier than we are. Mm. You know, we're we're too we're too concerned with just getting some of the younger ones in the water without any real instruction and sw- get them swimming up and down. You know, yeah. we've got to ask ourselves, well, why, are we, why are we doing that? You know, I think we are changing. I think there's a lot of programs that are changing their view. And if you go to places, I, I've got, got one of the things that, I mean, I'm going off track a little bit here, but That's one right. of the things that, that I, I, I've always felt that we've all, in the, we're, most of the world, this is, we have our best coaches at the top part of the club. The people with the knowledge and the experience of coaching and teaching are at the top end of our club. They should be at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting senior base and... Yeah, 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 exactly. So 
from my looking back now as a hindsight, I wish in some ways I'd have perhaps looked at that five years earlier and said, right, okay, I'm going to go down to the bottom part of the club. You get a head coach in to take the top end and I'm going to work with the younger ones. Mm. And I just think to me that makes much more sense. You know, yeah, because you're well, getting the most experience, the most people with the most knowledge and the learning, the qualifications at the right stage of their development. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, I agree with you in a sense of you guys at that point there, you've got more ability to be able to help that younger athlete with the knowledge. And where that's where thing, things can change, if you know what I mean. If you muck up then, then nothing's going to yeah, happen. Later. Absolutely, yeah. And they don't get into bad habits either. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's really key. And I think it's find that happy medium, though, because also at the top end, you still want to have someone with the knowledge. Absolutely. That, that kind and that's of like, where, the problems, that's where yeah. the problem starts, yeah. So really, I mean, what you need is, is do, you, do you then say, well, okay, well, do you have two, two head coaches, basically? You know? Yeah, and split it up. And, yeah, and you split it up. So one, and that, and so some, some uh, programs around the world do do that. Um, you know, they do do that. They, don't have, they have a sort of a... Uh, coach led or coach lead and a head coach or something like or a director of swimming and a head coach and the, the director of swimming gets involved practically so yeah. they do do it there is there are ways of doing it but then that could de- delve with financial situations and whether the club can afford it or etc and that that's always a sort of consideration i think a good um good uh, example of that is swim mat carolina is they had the Swim Mat Carolina, which was separate. And then at that particular time, not anymore, unfortunately, but they had Team Elite attached to the end of it. So you'd have David Marsh there, but then you'd also have David Marsh walking around with the juniors as well, moving the juniors straight into Team Elite. And there's that. So it all worked very nicely with having a really head coach for the juniors who knew their stuff and then head coach for the seniors who knew their bit as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I, I think that's a really um, massive point. Um, yeah, one last thing. So I remember you um, you said this thing in my course, and uh, it always gets me up. You say artistry. Coaching is a bit like an artist. Yeah. Artistry. Just tell us more about that, because I think everyone loves hearing it when you talk about art. I, 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 um, I've got no doubt. So, if I can sort of go back a little bit and say, right, okay, when I sweat, um, when I decided to give up for reasons the sort of personal side of it because of performance, etc. And I struggled with um, having the confidence to do what I needed to do mm. and at the level that I needed, I was at. Um, when I decided that enough was enough, and you've got to remember that I, I was going through the 60s and 70s where training was um, meterage, 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 and even more meterage. Yeah. Um, sort of things like 2200s breaststroke on a Sunday afternoon, you know, and that's probably why I've got a knee, knee problem. Yeah. <laughs> There's your issue. But, yeah, <laughs> that, that's what it was. And you get burnt. You, and, and at that particular moment in time, if you go, if you look at it, a lot of the swimmers that were getting on the international teams were very young. Mm. They didn't reach 16, 17, 18 years of age because they got burnt out. But there was no science there to prove otherwise. So when, when someone like myself, as, as a per, from personal experience, decided that enough was enough, I had no one there. My coach, even though um, he's my role model, one of my role models, he didn't have the education to understand what I needed, mm. which was the psychology side of it and the science side of it and the rest side of it and all of that. So science sort of does come into it a little bit. However, I think with, 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 with science... Not a scientist isn't perhaps a good coach. Yeah, you know, um, but a coach could be a good scientist. Mm. You know, so it's so for me. How can I put it? Um, knowing the science doesn't make you a good coach, but you must have talent to be an artist. Okay. Yeah, I see. All right. So if we need to be, in, we need to be individual. And it goes back to what I said about the, you know, the, the qualifications of, of taking, taking the test and going out and learning to coach. That's where you, 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 you're going to be an artist because we don't all want to paint the same picture. The yeah. science is there and it's, it's there for everybody to see. 
Yeah. So we do need a certain part of it. But with that, a lot part, massive part of being a coach is being an artist of how you paint your picture, how you paint your coaching philosophy, how you deliver that coaching philosophy. What colours are you going to use? Using that imaginary toolbox. You know, yeah. what colour paint am I going to use? Oh, I'm going to use that because Ron Philpott said that 12 months ago. I'm going to use this because Clive said it earlier. Do you know, those sort of things make you an artist because you're putting all those pieces to that uh, or a jigsaw, for argument's sake, as a picture. Mm. So you're painting a picture of the athlete. You're painting a picture of development, whereas science is an exact art. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't give you any freedom. It doesn't, and my, my worry is with that, is that do we, do we look at science too much? So when we're talking to a younger swimmers, for argument's sake, not so much the national swimmers, but a younger swimmers, and we start giving them science equivalence to what they should be doing in a race or what they should be doing in training, do they theoretically understand it or do they get confused? And then do we then all of a sudden... Um, use science too much and they lose that competitive edge of racing human against human and it complicates it yeah you know we want them to race fast the science is as i said is the exact art whereas art is a freedom it's you, it, you can do what you like you can build you can get that ikea furniture and build it into anything you like you yeah. know it could be that cupboard could be a table you know, it's all, so you, it, it can be anything, can't it? You know, that training set, that 2100s can be whatever you like. Yeah. yeah. You know, but science sort of tells you perhaps why you're doing certain things or if you're doing certain things, but it doesn't give you the license to use your imagination sometimes. And that's yeah. what worries me about whether, whether it's a science or, or an art. For me, if I had to go on a percentage-wise, I think coaching is more towards the 60 70%, and the rest is science. And that's my personal view. But yeah. as I say, it's contradictory. It's um, sort of an uh, argument to wise that people might not agree with or agree with. But I do think that you, need, as a coach, you need to have think outside the box a little bit more and start thinking about what we're doing, your human against human, as, as, a, as, a, as a, a race as such. Yeah, bring it back to a bit more primal, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, to a certain in, degree, yeah. Bang it yeah. Out. I mean, there's got to be a certain part of it that there's got to be technique, yeah. um, which comes into it. And I suppose if you, you could class technique as more of a science, but that's been there forever anyway. Yeah. But science hasn't. Over the years, it's grown because people mm. have invested a lot of time into it. And no. as I say, science can be learned. I don't think coaching can to a certain degree. It can be, you can educate. You can give them all the ingredients of that toolbox, but it's how you go out there and deliver it that makes the difference. Yeah, I can see that. Everyone's given the same bit of textbook. It's then how you yeah, yeah. portray that to the... Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's where I sort of come from on that. <laughs> I'm, going get a load of tw- I'm going to get a load of messages now. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, no. Well, thanks very much, uh, Ron, for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. It's been, it's been great. great. Um, I hope I haven't bored you too much. Oh, no, it's been great. <laughs> I always love having you on. Um, but no, remember, guys, if you want to continue the conversation, you can um, come on the Love Swimming Facebook group and uh, I continue the conversation on a daily basis there, bits like that. Um, you can listen to this podcast on all uh, podcast platforms, Spotify, bits like that. And, yeah, I should be back next week with um, another guest. And thanks very much, Ron, for uh, coming on the podcast. My pleasure. <laughs>